0: Next up, Capital Talk, a weekly political analysis program produced by Montana Public Radio. Capital Talk is hosted by Sally Mock and features Lee Newspaper State News Bureau Chief Holly Michaels and Rob Saldine of the University of Montana's Mansfield Center and Political Science
1: Department. Here's Sally. Holly, the 2023 legislative session is history, and both Republicans and Democrats have begun their spin on how the session went. Here's how Republican House Speaker Matt Regeer described the session.
0: There were many times of sunlight, and there were also some times of shade. But overall, it's been an incredible ride over the uh, last four months here for us all.
1: Well, incredible is probably not the adjective everyone would use, Holly, to describe this session, but Republicans can celebrate achieving most of what they wanted, including tax cuts and tax relief, restrictions on abortion, anti-trans legislation, laws to promote charter schools, etc.
2: Yeah, I think as we heard the speaker say there, Republicans are leaving this session feeling like they accomplished a lot of what they set out to do. I think a fair amount of that includes building on things that they did in the 2021 session, which was the first time that Republican majority had a Republican governor at the finish line to be signing their bills instead of 16 years of Democrats they'd had previously. And then this year we had a Republican supermajority, too, which made things even easier for them. Really early on in the session, they cleared bills that would reduce income tax rate paid by top earners in Montana. That's people earning more than $19,000 a year. They also raised the business equipment tax threshold and cut capital gains taxes. Those all advanced similar changes from last session. And then they also passed also really early on, you know, five hundred and thirty million in income tax rebates, two hundred and eighty million in property tax refunds paid for with surplus money. And they followed that up on the last day of the session by passing another hundred and thirty-five million in those two types of rebates. And then, like you said, Sally, we saw not just one, but two charter school bills actually passed. One gives a little more oversight to local school boards, and the other one exists mostly outside that system. We heard the people say those can exist together and offer two different options for communities, but we also expect litigation on those bills. Again, building on stuff that passed last session, we saw the Republicans advance a lot of limitations to abortion access in the state that is including a ban on abortion after 24 weeks, a ban on the most commonly used procedure in the second trimester, and a bill similar to the Born Alive measure that failed on the ballot last fall. A lot of the legislation that passed in 2021 is still under litigation, and some of those bills are on hold. So it'll be interesting to see how these bills play out. We already saw a lawsuit filed and a temporary restraining order issued for the block on the 24-week ban just a day after it was signed by GM Forte. And then we also saw, saw bills that change how transgender Montanans can live in the state. That includes bans on gender-affirming care for trans minors. It also includes a bill saying it's not unlawful to misgender or dead-named kids in schools. And there's also a bill that would define sex and state laws, male and female, based off reproductive organs. And trans Montanans say that would erase them from state code. So your Republicans, in their end-of-the-session speech, kind of cited a lot of that legislation as things that came here to do. And I think they're feeling pretty good about the legislation they were able to get across as their priorities.
1: Well, Holly, Democrats being vastly outnumbered played mostly defense, and here's how House Minority Leader Kim Abbott summed up the session. I do know that every single day this group of people came into a difficult environment. We stood up for what we believed in. We stood up for our values, and I think that we accomplished a lot. And accomplishments for Democrats, Holly, include funding for Medicaid and blocking several proposed changes to the state constitution.
2: Yeah, like you said, Sally, Democrats were in a super minority this session, so they didn't have a lot of room to work. But they did have a couple wins. You know, they were able to work with Republicans on increasing the rates that are paid to Medicaid providers To near what a study done over the last several years recommended they should be, that's something Democrats have advocated for for a really long time, and we've also heard providers come session after session asking for that money. And this go-around, Democrats were able to get enough Republicans on board to get that across the finish line. Now they also passed a bill that makes changes parents and daycare providers say will improve the Best Beginnings child care program. And, you know, although they're not able to knock down any of the abortion bills they oppose, they did pass a bill allowing for 12 months of birth control dispensing. They also got legislation across that has protections for people living in mobile homes and a task force to look at the issue of missing and murdered indigenous people. And then, like you said, we saw all the proposed constitutional amendments except one fail, and Democrats are chalking that up as a victory. To you know, those could have passed with just Republican support, but Democrats were able to get enough of the supermajority to peel away for those some of the ones they're most concerned about to fail. So, I think overall, Democrats didn't sound you know super excited at the end of the session. They had a lot of frustrations with how things turned up, but did have some wins that they were able to point to.
1: Rob, there may be a record number of lawsuits. After this session, challenging everything from the abortion restrictions to the anti-trans bills, and these court cases will be expensive and time-consuming. But even if the laws eventually get struck down, Republicans still see their passage as a success.
0: Yeah, that's right, Sally. And you know, to a degree, it's entirely normal to have some new laws challenged in court, and you could even say it's a natural part of the system of checks and balances. But the number of challenges has been increasing, and we could have a lot of them this session. As you say, it could be a record. Montana Free Press tracks legislation noting, among other things, which bills have a legal note, which is essentially a way of flagging which bills are potentially unconstitutional. And there are a number of those that made it through. And and there were, of course, those those bills you and Holly mentioned restricting abortion that were passed. Certainly, many of those will face court challenges on the grounds that they violate the state constitution's right to privacy, Uh, the charter school laws are likely to be another high-profile challenge, as you said, Holly, and, and so on. And all of this does, of course, increase legal costs. But to your point, Sally, and as we've discussed before on this show, I think Republicans pass these laws fully expecting the challenges, and they're fine with fighting it out in the courts. If they win, the laws are on really solid ground. If they lose, they go down fighting on what they see as politically advantageous territory.
1: Holly, the last few days of the session had the additional drama of Representative Zoe Zephyr unsuccessfully suing to get back onto the floor of the House and then the odd theater of some Republican women occupying a public bench in the Capitol hallway to keep Zephyr from sitting there.
2: The day after the House, Republicans voted to keep Zephyr off the floor. She posted up on a bench right outside the chamber and voted from there. And then the next morning when she came in, it was full of groups of people who were sitting there to prevent her from using that space. So she stood up at the little lunch counter where you can order food and voted from there. Then the next day, other people who supported Zephyr came in occupied those benches. So she sat there. So that was you know, a really visual way to see that dispute playing out right outside the house chambers as we came up to the end of the session. And then like you said, Zephyr and the ACLU of Montana filed a lawsuit asking Helena Judge to overturn the legislature's decision and allow Zephyr back into the House chambers. Judge dismissed that on the last day of the session. He said it wasn't the judiciary's place to step into operations of a separate branch of government.
1: Rob, one of the bench occupiers was House Speaker Matt Regeer's mother, And the Regeer family has played an outsized role in this session. Senator Keith Regeer chaired the important Senate Judiciary Committee. His daughter, Amy, chaired the House Judiciary Committee. And then, of course, his son, Matt, was House Speaker. And although there have often been more than one member of a family serving at the same time in the legislature, I can't recall members of one family simultaneously holding three powerful leadership positions. And not only that, but four of the 10 bills restricting abortion that the governor is signing were sponsored by Keith, Amy, or Matt Regeer. This family had a lot of influence on this legislative session.
0: Yeah, that's right, Sally. They've, uh, they, they've got a legislative hat trick going here. Even mom's getting in on the action this week, as, as Holly described. And the key point, I think, is, right, it's not just that they've got three people in the legislature, which is remarkable on its own terms, it's that they're in these positions of power.
1: Senator McGee-Robb, in his politics, has always been vocal about the part his Christian values play as his guiding light, and he does not see church as being separated from state.
0: Right. And this has gotten a lot of attention in the national press, actually. Sally, New York Times has had a couple pieces this week and then back in January. And a big part of the premise is that Montana's shift to the right is all wrapped up in Christian nationalism. I think that can be overplayed. Conservatism in Montana has traditionally been more grounded in a libertarian ethos than a religious one. And we still see that libertarian streak in the citizenry, at least in things like the uh, enthusiasm voters have expressed for recreational marijuana and the defeat the Born Alive referendum last year and so forth. So I'm not altogether convinced that that's changed all that much. And my my sense is that some of these analyses play up the Christian part a bit too much and downplay the more secular cultural forces at work. You know, the perception for instance that elites entrenched in their privileged perches on the coasts or in Washington or Hollywood or college campuses or what have you look down on average Montanans with contempt, things like that. Now, clearly Christianity appears to be central to the Regier family and and we know that Gianforte is a man of faith and that that's central to his outlook, but in a more general sense I tend to think that in Montana, the shift to the right owes more to the secular cultural factors than religion per se. And another thing that could be at work here, Sally, is that some conservatives who are identifying as Christian are aren't necessarily connected to the practice of Christianity. Uh, Two writers I follow closely on these topics, Tim Alberta and Pete Wehner, both of whom have very deep roots in the evangelical church, have written and talked quite persuasively about this dynamic in recent years. And, And for many, Christianity is becoming more of a marker of identity and a signal of loyalty to a political team than it is about dedication to the teaching of Jesus Christ.
1: Holly and Rob, it's an understatement to say this was a memorable session, but I wonder what your main takeaway is. Mine is that it feels like a major turning point in Montana politics, either toward entrenching the political power of the Republican hard right, or toward galvanizing a resurgence of Democrats to fight the shift. And who knows which way it will go. Um, Holly, what is your main takeaway?
2: One of my main takeaways is we spent a lot of money this session. You know, we had what was estimated at the start of the session to be about a $2.6 billion surplus. And looks like we have put that in a lot of different places. We had that billion dollars in stimulus and tax rebates, refunds that we talked about earlier. And that's something I think lawmakers agree made the session actually pretty difficult because there were so many people who wanted a piece of that money to come back to their community. So that to me was just a pretty notable thing that set the tone of the session. And
1: Rob? Well,
0: for me, the thing that I think will be remembered about this session is the Zephyr affair uh, from the last couple of weeks. That was a big story in Montana. It was a big story nationally. And the reason why it resonates so much and the reason why it grabbed those uh, national headlines is because it captures something about America in 2023. And to your point, Sally. I agree that it's a turning point, but I think it's much more likely that the political power of the hard right will continue. For Democrats, it's quite possible that they pick up some seats in the next cycle due to redistricting, but that only takes you so far. And I don't see much reason to think a serious resurgence is coming for them. And part of the reason is that I'm just not entirely sure that Democrats have fully internalized how bad things are for them in Montana right now. You'd think the 2020 wipeout followed by the Republican supermajority and this legislative session would have been a wake up call, but it's not entirely clear that it has been. At some point in politics, you do have to meet your voters where they are, and I'm not sure that Democrats know quite how to do that.
1: Well, the end of the session also means this is the last episode of Capital Talk. And Holling Rob, as always, I'm so grateful for your stamina and insights over these last four months, and I sure hope you both have a great summer. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Thanks, Sally. Sally. You've been listening to Capital Talk, a weekly political
0: analysis program produced by Montana Public Radio. Capital Talk features Rob Saldine of the University of Montana's Mansfield Center and Political Science Department. Lee Newspaper, State News Bureau Chief Holly
2: Michaels, and hosted by Sally Mock. Thank you for listening.